Welcome to this special presentation of Awakened to Grace. Today you're going to hear the remarkable story of how an angel rescued Joy Bollinger. And stick around for the end of the episode for a Q&A with Joy as she shares more about her incredible story in this audio experience. So get comfortable and enjoy the thrilling story, The Angel Who Lived Upstairs. So it was the winter of 1967, and I was a very naive, wide-eyed, 21-year-old Midwestern young woman realizing a lifelong dream of traveling the world as a stewardess. Youthful excitement dismissed any thoughts of big city dangers, long hours, inadequate pay, and living in an unfinished one-bedroom apartment. My roommate and I did not live a glamorous life, which was perceived by the public. In fact, my 1967 wage and tax earnings statement listed $1,634.98 as my total earnings for that year. And my roommate's earnings were basically the same. So for that reason, our sparse furnishings were two army cots and a $2 Woolworths lamp sitting on a donated orange crate. With rent, utilities, and transportation costs, we could not afford food, so we ate the various hot meals available on the airplane. Since that era, flight attendants, as they are now called, have seen improvement in wages. Restrictions that were in place have been lifted, thereby providing improved work hours, working conditions, and protections. Unfortunately, as new hires, our reality was working grueling hours, often having only eight hours between getting home and having to leave again. Downtime was not ours to enjoy because we were always on standby. So it was on that unforgettable winter's night after getting in from a trip and only having had four hours of sleep that the phone jarred me awake and an unwelcome voice demanded that I be at the airport in two hours. The apartment was located over an hour from the airport, so it was critical that I call for a taxi. Unbeknownst to me, a sudden snowstorm had sidelined every taxi in the Queens, Long Island area. Being late or not showing for a flight were grounds for immediate termination, so my only recourse was the bus. Quickly dressing and gathering my pre-packed small suitcase, suit bag, and a shoulder bag, I left the safety and warmth of the apartment building and entered a foreboding black and frigid night. Dense snow had already disguised a thin sheet of ice that covered the walkways, which made the journey all that more precarious. To make matters worse, there was no shelter or bench at the bus stop. I could only hope that the snowstorm would not shut down the three connecting buses required to reach my destination. The normal three-minute walk to the bus became a 20-minute arduous and slippery trek as I tried to maintain a precarious balance on high heels. By the time I reached the bus stop, the harsh winter chill and blowing snow had cut like a knife through my thin winter spring coat and my exposed nylon stocking feet and legs were cold and wet. 
The airlines were very different in the 60s and 70s. Appearance superseded practicality, comfort, and safety. Warm winter outerwear and boots were not provided by the company nor permitted. So shivering and shifting my weight from one foot to the other, I struggled to maintain body heat against a piercing and unrelenting wind that offered no mercy. Waiting for a bus at 2 a.m. was dangerous for any young woman, especially one wearing a stewardess uniform, which was akin to holding up a flashing neon sign. My supervisor had strictly cautioned us to take the bus only during daylight hours. So it was with great and, oh, I would say, apprehension and against my better judgment that I was standing alone, exposed to the elements and possible danger. No signs of life or movement could be seen except for the swirling snowflakes that engulfed me. With only the streetlight as company, I felt vulnerable under its illumination and could not shake thoughts of a recent murder that had taken place on the very spot where I was standing. A young woman's cries for help went unheeded as 30 people watched her assailant repeatedly stab her, and her killer was never caught. The bus that was always on time was now 40 minutes late, and I wondered, had bus service been suspended due to the snowstorm? Just when I started contemplating returning to my apartment, headlights appeared at the top of the hill. As the lights drew nearer, I was giddy thinking about the warmth that would soon envelop me, but my mood quickly changed when I realized that the lights were from a lone car. It slowly approached, paused momentarily, and as it continued out of sight, I made a mental note to watch for its return. Several minutes passed when lights appeared. My heart sank as the same vehicle approached. With both mind and body and heart racing, I frantically looked for a, a route of escape. However, my choices were very grim. If I left my luggage and managed to quickly negotiate the icy snow-laden two blocks to my apartment, I would need to use two separate sets of keys to unlock both the outside and the inside security doors <laughs> to my apartment building. And then I would need to unlock two more locks to my apartment. The alternative was to try and make it to an all-night newsstand whose lights could be seen two blocks away. Either direction, an attacker could quickly overpower any woman trying to run through the snow and ice on high heels. So it was with great relief that I watched the car continue down the street and vanish out of sight. I consoled myself with the thought that the driver was lost and verbally chastised myself for having such irrational fears. The howling wind grew fiercer, encapsulating my feet in a small mound of snow, and by then my feet were numb and my hosiery could not hide my bluish legs. Shivering uncontrollably, I shook my feet free from the snow and pulled the flimsy coat collar even tighter around my neck. All efforts to shelter myself from the stinging wind in the snow proved futile as it relentlessly whipped and buffeted me. I muttered under my breath, of all times for the bus to be late and not one available taxi. The night was eerily quiet without any sign of life in sight. The usually bustling two-lane road was blanketed with heavy snow, only tire tracks 
from the suspicious car gave indication of life. And then I saw headlights crest at the top of the hill. I immediately thought to myself, thank God the bus at last. My relief quickly changed to panic when the same car reappeared and to my horror, the driver parked across the road from me. Slowly, he exited his car and moved to the front of the vehicle. Fastening his eyes on me, he raised the hood and watched as a hunter would study its prey before the kill. My heart pounded wildly while I frantically fumbled in my bag for the only weapon available, a pitifully inadequate hat pin. Never diverting his eyes from mine, he unhurriedly lowered the hood and began walking towards me. Trapped and numb with fear and cold, my mouth barely formed the audible words, God help me. Without warning, I heard a man's firm yet comforting voice behind me. Would you like to share a taxi? I quickly turned to see a stranger dressed in an airline uniform. My mind was racing with rapid-fire questions. Where did he come from? What taxi? I didn't see a taxi. How could he get a taxi? Why didn't he have the taxi come to his apartment? Those questions lost their importance when, just as stealthily as my rescuer had appeared, a yellow taxi instantaneously pulled to the curb. Without responding to the man's kind offer, I quickly slid into the taxi's welcoming warmth and safety. As we pulled away from the curb, I could see the would-be assailant sprint to his car. The ride to the airport was a blur of emotions. I was in shock and shaking with the overwhelming realization that had this man not appeared when he did, I would have been another statistic. Conversation was mostly one-sided as I babbled about my horrific experience and expressed my extreme gratitude for rescuing me. Oddly, my cab companion seemed undisturbed by the incident. In fact, he asked no questions and barely spoke. As we neared the airport, I asked him where he lived. I live upstairs in your building, he answered matter-of-factly. Strange, I had not told him where I lived, nor had I seen him in my building or in the neighborhood. He assured me that he lived in my building, but when I asked for his name and apartment number, he ignored me. No matter, I thought, I'll, I'll look him up later. Two days later, when I returned home with the single-minded goal of finding the man who saved me from certain death, I decided I wanted to find the superintendent of our building. I immediately went to him and told him of my terrifying night and subsequent rescue. I asked for the apartment number and the name of the employee, explaining that I wanted to personally deliver a card and a small gift. The super looked at me somewhat bewildered and he scratched the back of his head and said, um, you and your roommate are the only airline personnel living in this building. Confused and perplexed, I inquired within surrounding apartment buildings, but to no avail. And this mysterious uniformed man had just simply vanished into thin air and I never did see him again. Many years have come and gone but the memory of that night in God's loving care and protection will forever remain. Some may argue that my rescue was just luck. 
However, the sudden and unexplained appearance of this man and the mysterious taxi only caused me to believe that God, who watches over all, heard the desperate prayer of a young woman in danger and quickly dispatched an angel, the angel who lived upstairs. Wow, Joy, thank you so much for sharing such a personal and such an incredible story with our listeners. Uh, One thing that I kept thinking as I was listening to your story, because I know so much about you where we are friends, you weren't a Christian at this time. You were not looking for an experience like this. Uh, Help our listeners understand a little more what was going on in your life at this time when you were in your early 20s without Christ. Well, yes, Chad. I was not a Christian. I was not raised in a Christian family, although my parents said we were Christian. We very seldom went to church. And as a young child, I was curious about God. Um, I was told as a child that Jesus Christ was just a prophet. He was just a man. And and so my mother, I would tell her when I was little, um, is there a heaven and a hell? And she would say, well, there's a heaven for good people and there's a hell for bad people. And that made no sense to me. I couldn't, in my little mind, I couldn't justify that because there were times when I was bad as a child and there were times when I was very good. And so I couldn't reconcile that in my little mind. And so I didn't I didn't go to church and I wasn't really seeking, but I was, I think, always questioning what would happen to me when I died. And I think this experience, I didn't really realize until I became a Christian what had really happened that night. And it became very clear to me when I did become a Christian at 27 years of age that God had rescued me when I called out to him. And so... uh, So you would say this was one of the defining moments leading up to trusting in Christ for salvation. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I really, after that experience, began to wonder, um, because I knew I'd called out to God. Yeah, I thought that was interesting as you were telling your story, that even though you weren't a believer, you prayed, God, help me. Yes. Did you find yourself praying more often after this experience? No, not at all. Mm. And that was what was so unusual that something inside of me uh, triggered me to just call Mm. out to God. And I did. And the whole experience was so remarkable. I mean, it was absolutely impossible at that time to get a taxi. All the taxis had been canceled because of the blizzard. It was an actual blizzard. Hmm. And and what city and state was this in? This was in Queens in New York. I thought I heard you say Queens. Yes. Okay. And so, you know, the only choice that I had was a bus. And we had been warned, never, ever take a bus except in daylight. But... The alternative was, if I didn't get there, I was fired, because that's the way they ran things. If you didn't show, you were fired immediately. 
And so I was really putting my life on the line to do this. But it was so amazing to me. I knew something was different. I mean, this man just appeared out of nowhere and this taxi appeared out of nowhere. And how would, how in the world would the taxi know to meet him on the curb across from the bus stop? There was no building there. Wow. Why didn't the taxi go to his supposed apartment building mm-hmm. to pick him up? I started to think about these things and I thought, this had to be something really unique and different. But I didn't know about angels back then. I didn't know that God sends angels That's to right. rescue us. That's right. I had no idea about that. And it was when I became a Christian that it all clicked into place. And I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God had spared my life to do something even greater for him. Well, it is a remarkable story, and I thank you for sharing it with us. Joy, what would you say to someone who has not yet put their trust in Christ? Perhaps they grew up like you. Um, You know, Christianity was just not relevant to their family. And so now they find themselves listening to podcasts like this. They find themselves praying from time to time, and they feel a draw. What would you say to someone who's, maybe they're in their early 20s, maybe they're in their 60s or 70s, but something is drawing them to Christ? What should they do? Well, I believe that it's the Holy Spirit that draws us to Him. And I think that the Lord had been letting those questions always be in my heart and my mind that I would seek him. I think that's what the Lord is always leading us to do is to get to that point in life that we start to question and seek him for the answers. And it was just, that was the beginning of the seeking. And then When I married a man who was very abusive, I I started wondering, God, and I would talk to God then, why? Why is this happening to me? And yet I still did not have a personal relationship with God and Jesus Christ, but I was asking questions I don't understand. And it was actually being an abusive relationship that led me to the cross and one winter's night it was another winter's night my sister-in-law and my brother came in from Alaska and she cornered me in a room she was a Christian and she wanted to talk to me about God and Jesus and there was I just felt like there was a a war going on inside of me one saying run get out of this room the other saying no stay and listen and I finally listened to what she was saying and the presence of God came so strongly over me I started weeping and weeping and I gave my life to Christ 
that night. And, and you were 27. I was 27. And I have never looked back. Yes. Never. Well, Joy, one of the things that I enjoy about our conversations is that you are thoroughly biblical. And I think in an episode like this, where it's pretty remarkable, it's a pretty uh, unbelievable story in some degree, because, you know, what are the odds, as you were saying, that all of these events took place? One thing that I love about our conversations is that you really understand the scriptures and the scriptures tell us we are to never pray to angels right. or worship angels it's exactly as you were saying we are to seek god yes right we don't seek experiences exactly and i think that's one of the big things that i want our listeners to understand you had no knowledge of angels of the Lord, no. or, or, or at least of salvation, I should say. Right. And so you weren't seeking some kind of sensational experience, right? No, no, absolutely not. And as listeners hear stories like this, I think it's important for people to understand the Bible never, a matter of fact, the Bible forbids worshiping angels. Uh, they are ministering spirits. Yes. Isn't that what the word says? Absolutely. And they are sent yes. to help those who inherit salvation. And that's the key word, sent. Yes. God sends them. They yes. don't send themselves. And they cannot be called upon by a human being. Yes. They have to be sent by God. They are servants of the Lord. Yes. And you remember when John wrote the book of Revelation, twice in Revelation, he was so overcome, he, he fell down to yes. worship the angel. Yes. And twice an angel said, do not do this. That's right. I'm a fellow servant. Yes. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? Absolutely. So we're to keep our eyes on Jesus. He alone is the author and the perfecter of our faith. And so, Joy, not only do I love your story, uh, I love how biblical you are. And, uh, and, and, you know, as I, as I heard your story, I was just thinking to myself, while the Bible teaches all of these things, there's not one section of the Bible dedicated solely to angels. When we see angels in the Bible, they are sent to help God's people. Mm -hmm. From Paul to Elijah, yes. uh, the children of Israel when they were in the desert, and uh, Hagar when she was in the wilderness, so on and so on and so on. They are sent to help God's people. And I just appreciate that even though you were not, you did not have knowledge of salvation, what does the Bible say? They are sent to those who inherit mm -hmm. salvation. The Lord mm -hmm. knew that you were one of his, and even before you knew the Lord, mm -hmm. the Lord knew you, and he rescued you. Yes. What a story. What a story. Joy, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Uh, you've blessed us today by your remarkable story. Oh, thank you, Pastor Chad. It's been my honor. Awaken to Grace is about spiritual growth for everyday life. And if you're someone that you want to grow in your faith, then I want to invite you to connect with us in a more personal way. You know, there are many different ways you can connect with Awaken to Grace. First of all, you can visit our website, awakentograce.com. 
Second, you can subscribe to our podcast. It is Awaken to Grace with Chad Roberts, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Third, I want to invite you to download our free mobile app. When you search Awakened to Grace, wherever you get your apps, then literally hundreds of resources will be free at your fingertips. And then lastly, I love to hear from listeners. It makes my day when people shoot me a quick email. And I want to invite you to email me directly. You know, most of our followers know I am completely blind. But when I get an email from listeners telling me where they're listening from and telling me how I can pray for them, well, it is it just absolutely makes my day. You can always email me at Pastor Chad Roberts at gmail.com. All lowercase, all one word. Pastor Chad Roberts at gmail.com. So visit our website, download our app, subscribe to our podcast, and connect with Awakened to Grace.